Welcome to Vamos, a Spanish football slash European football podcast. I'm here with my boy, Abuelo de Olusonia. Bob, how's your week been this week? Yeah, it's been good, you know, dealing with exams and all that, but, you know, we're just doing what we can. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, I've, been, I've, been, I've been good so far. I've actually had two weeks off without exams. I've got to watch some Champions League football, a lot of La Liga. I haven't dabbled a bit in the Premier League. Was the worst decision of my life. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get into that later, Bob. Yeah, you see, you're always setting the tone for the, for the conversation. Yeah, no, it, it, the game was, a, it was terribly dry. Like, I just couldn't stand it. It was the Chelsea Man United game. I'm like, you know what? Maybe, like, I've been talking smack about British football. I've never given it a chance. And I watched this game, and I'm just like, I'm bored out of my mind. And, like, I, I think in the first half, like, the in the match, like, only four chances were created. I switched to the Deportivo versus Atletico game, and, like, six chances were created within 15 minutes. And it was quite, it was quite even, because, like, Deportivo scored in that 15 minutes. So, uh, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's one of the reasons why I was, like, heavily disappointed with the fixture at the weekend. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it was a decent, it was a, it was a decent game. No, it was, it was a poor game. Like, Chelsea, I was disappointed with Chelsea, for example. I thought uh, they played I very like, attractive. I like, the occasion, like, if it was a, a classic, it's one of those kind of matches that, even if it's two big teams, you know, it's easy, it's a lot harder for that to be a poor game. In the sense that, you know, everyone's kind of on their toes. And even, like, people who are watching are necessarily quite, quite anxious, so that kind of adds to the game, even if it's not necessarily, like, on the pitch a great game. Okay, so let's switch to the more exciting games involving two opponents from the Iberian Peninsula, Spain. And let's talk about the... Did you watch the Barca-Valencia game this weekend? Yes, I did. And I, I can't wait to talk about this. <laughs> uh, so so, so what, do you think, what do you think about the game and how Barca set up? Because for me, I honestly think that Barca were very lucky to get away from that game with all three points, I feel. Yeah, how Valencia didn't score in that game was beyond me. At the back, Barcelona looked so open, like, and it was just so easy. It was so easy for them. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's, especially Champions League-wise, I just feel like it's very open now because a lot of teams are showing why they deserve to be there, but at the same time, they're still, you know, every team's weaknesses are still, like, very much on the surface. Yeah, and, and that, that, that's a stark contrast, but because, like, um, in all respect to Valencia, like, PSG have a better team than they did, and, like, PSG didn't really threaten in either the first or the second leg of the game, where Barcelona were absolutely brilliant in those games, especially Luis Suarez. I feel he's, he's a phenomenon. And that front three with Neymar and Messi and, uh, and Suarez reminds me of the one Barca had in 2009 with Messi, Eto, and Thierry Henry. And that they complement each other and they're both like, they're, they're, the fluidity of play is very brilliant for me. Yeah, I honestly still feel like Barcelona will win Champions League. Because I just feel like those front three is a bit much. And I feel like Bayern, even though they, you know, they dominated against Porto. I still feel like they're still very much a beatable team and a lot more beatable than Barcelona at this point in time. They didn't dominate Porto. They debilitated Porto. <laughs> <laughs> Sad to watch. It was the other, but it was just kind of like they really 
They're each just they're really to them. They yeah. were really clinical as well. I think that was one of the things. They didn't miss many chances. Any small opportunity, etc., or any any chance they had, they pretty much they pretty much took it. So Porto Porto was shell shocked and they could they didn't even really have time to try and recuperate. Yeah, and how much of that we attribute to the loss of Alexandro and Danilo? I think it's very important as well because that right back. I was surprised he, he didn't even get a yellow card in the first twenty minutes. He made a few challenges that were bizarre to me to make at that point in the game, like because most of the time he was what was it? His name was Reyes, maybe. Yeah, I think it was been Reyes. Or something. Yeah, he just made challenges, you know, challenges that he didn't actually need to make in, you know, in situations where you know the opponent is not in a dangerous area, he's not going anywhere, he's not doing anything, but he'd still come flying it, flying in. I just thought it was a bit of. It was a bit embarrassing, if anything. Yeah, because, like, um, Porto, like, again, with all respect to Porto, like, the game, like, the fact that Bayern had so many injuries made it a more even game, and, like, you take out, like, two of their best right-backs, it's effectively, like, Bayern playing Augsburg now. Although I feel Augsburg would have given a better account than Porto at this stage, but... And um, concerning Bayern, Lewandowski got on the score sheet, Thiago is back, um, Javi, Martinez, um, Javi Martinez is back, and they seem to be getting like the team back together. And this was a Bayern team that basically did what they did to Porto without Robin, without Ribéry. And coming into the stage, like as Bayern, like, as they progress, as these players get back, do you think Bayern might... Bayern are yet to show their true form, their complete form, their hundred percent. Yeah, no, that's. I still can't help but feel like the only thing stopping Bayern from being unstoppable is Tony Cruz. Yeah, but if they didn't sell him, if they didn't sell him, I feel like they wouldn't be their team. Like there wouldn't be any debate, etc. Because he's, I don't know. To me, he was their most complete midfielder, regardless of who they have in their team. To me, he was still the standout midfielder. And midfielder from an attacking sense, or just the general Almost, like just complete. Like he has it. He has the whole package. He can pass. He can score. He can defend. Like they have obviously Thiago, who's more attacking. He's not obviously very great defensively. Martinez is defensive. Schweinsteiger is the only player who's similar to Cruz. But I just feel like Cruz is a lot younger and a lot fresher. So I was still very surprised that they sold him. So then, yes, yeah, so was I, and like talking to him, let, let's. I just got like I just got news about the Europa League action, and it's Zenit Saint Petersburg's making it two-one due to Hawks' goal against Sevilla, which means that Sevilla are in big trouble. But let's switch back to Bayern, and I feel like, um, well, what about Lewandowski's? He came under severe criticism in the first half of the season, but now it feels like he's starting to gain into form, starting to adjust into this Bayern team. He scored two goals against Porto. And, um, like, do you feel it might hold the key against Real Madrid or against the Barcelona? I think against Real Madrid, definitely, because they'll be fearful of him, you know. Everyone <laughs> remember that game he had when he scored four goals against Real Madrid just a few, just a few years ago. So I feel like that will have a massive impact. But I don't feel like... Bayern have a greater chance against the Spanish teams if they play them over two I mean if they play them only once I feel like over two legs Bayern 
are to me I would say this whichever Spanish team they face they are probably not the favourites not favourites even after they demolished Barcelona 7-0 two years ago that's a ball yeah. ball like I don't know I just feel like obviously Barcelona team is too different so different from them especially with Luis Suarez as well like to me he's the best striker on the planet right now yeah, and is I, I feel like and I feel he's is the striker that Barcelona always missed since Samuel like you look at the strike kind of strikers they brought in they brought in Zlatan they brought in David Villa they brought in Alex Sanchez and none of these strikers really fit into Messi as himself like I feel he links up well with Messi I don't know why maybe because Messi might have matured and might have decided that it's better for an actual number nine to be in there rather than myself but like he fits into that team almost perfectly almost like it's like the striker we always missed is the that's why I feel and especially with Neymar and that's why their combinations are so perfect although sometimes maybe Messi might not be on his best game Suarez is an absolute beast when he's on form yeah and I just feel, I just feel like that front three really will be the defining moment to like the part that will separate teams is that front three like there's no other team right now. Real Madrid are missing Bale. They're missing Benzema. Like, there's no other team that has that front three that can damage you. Like, I would say Bayern could match if they had Ribéry and Robin fit, but they don't. So they obviously can't. But what do you feel about Juventus? Do you feel like everyone's kind of written them off completely, or do you think there's still more twists and turns? Like, they could get to the final, or do you think? There's just no way. Uh, like, the story of Juventus reminds me of the story of Chelsea, like, at this point of this stage of Champions League, when it was the same three monsters that were in the semifinals, and poor old Chelsea with Roberto Di Matteo, they were, like, tipped to, like, go out, tipped to get destroyed by all three of them. But, like, lo and behold, they beat Barcelona, they get to the final, they also beat Bayern Munich by stroke of luck. And mm-hmm. it's like Juventus, I feel this Juventus team, they have more to them than a the Chelsea team that won in. 2012, they have Carlos Tevez. Obviously, if Paul Pogba is fit, he revolutionizes the defense, especially with Andrea Pirlo. They have a astute defending, and it's like I, I feel there's more to them. I feel they can. I feel they can get a result against any of the any of the three if they keep if away from home they keep their defense solid. Yeah, because I, I don't know. I just feel like attacking wise, though, they don't have enough. Yeah, they don't they, have enough to harm you know enough for teams to really fear like there's no one obviously Tevez has had a good season Pogba I don't think he's played often he's he's picked up a few injuries of late but I don't know I I just think going forward they don't really have enough when you compare them to the strike forces of the teams they're playing like you know if they score one goal you'd think the other team for them you know it's most probably for them to win any of these matches will be a very close game and just like a 1-0. I can't see them going and scoring two or three goals against any of these teams. So I'd be very surprised. Yeah, and that, that was very evident in their tie against Napoli. Like, um, not Napoli, Monaco, my bad. And the tie against Monaco where, like, the tie was won by 1-0. And, like, you look at Monaco, they're not seeing with very much quality, but, like, I felt Juventus understood the times and they understood that, like, if they were going to get Monaco into a scoring match, that they were going to, they might have lost. And Monaco is not the type of team that have the star players. Like, they don't have Ronaldo or Bale or Messi or Suarez or 
a Lewandowski. So I feel Juventus might be a bit fearful of getting them to score a match. But I do think Juventus have the quality to score goals. I just feel it's just they have to be very efficient at goal. They can't, yeah. they can't afford to waste any chances against Real Madrid. They can't afford to be too negative against Real Madrid like, because, like, the scenario of what happened to Atletico may happen to them. But, like, like the Mateos Chelsea, they have to be aggressive and efficient in front of goal and aggressive and efficient in defence. Yeah, I agree also. I just think that, obviously, they, they got quite an easy draw against Monaco as well, even though... Monaco obviously surprised people by beating Arsenal and stuff, but that was a bit of a shock anyway. So I feel like if they had played other teams in the last in the in the quarterfinals, then they probably wouldn't be through anyway. So I also think it's just a little bit about them just kind of enjoying it and feeling like they have nothing to lose because they obviously are the main underdogs anyway. Yeah, and and, the, and you look at them and like if they get one of the Spanish champions, one thing that might come to mind is domestic priorities and Juve are like 12 points above Lazio or Roma in Serie A so like Serie A is already like still done and dusted for them but like you look at in La Liga where Barcelona and Real Madrid are competing fiercely for the title and and with Real Madrid as the injuries begin to might begin to pile up again you wonder whether like it might be hard for them to sustain on both fronts and also yeah Bayern have a couple of injury problems themselves so Juventus might be my win based on survival of the fittest yeah because I feel like Real Madrid have such a good squad but as a squad as a whole you know once their key players get injured they don't really have anyone to fill the spaces like I think they've been quite like not lucky but just they've kept their team pretty fit for most of the season in a good way because it seems like it's like a Chelsea type of setup where they have a lot of stars. But on the bench, you know, once one star like drops out, you can you can mostly feel the difference. And I'm not talking about Bell because I don't consider him as a star this season. But <laughs> I feel like if they lose the likes of Benzema, like even before Hernandez scored, they Hernandez had so many chances that Benzema would have buried even before like the 88th minute or 90th minute when they did score. So. I feel like they definitely need to add to their squad because they have a great first team, but if they have any injuries, you know, they don't really have anyone that can actually fill the space. Yeah, and that's why like in their they're they're looking towards getting like younger stars who can actually fit into the first team. They're, they're I feel they're they're trying to get Jose Gaia from Valencia, they're trying to get a couple of like strikers, I think Luciano Vieto from Villarreal, but that's all next season. But Let's switch to the Madrid derby, which just played yesterday, which depresses me to talk about. And um, in the game, Real Madrid deserved to go through because I was looking at some of like some of the themes. I was thinking over some of the themes I was thinking yesterday throughout the game. And Real Madrid played better football than Atletico. They played. They deserved to go through. As I'll say again, but like, how much of the result was due to Arda Turan's red card? And in your opinion, is that a red card? Um, in my opinion, I just feel like in those games where it's so heated, it's hard to give players the benefit of the doubt because there's so many tackles that go in which are unnecessary, which are looking to hurt the player, which, you know, it's not actually looking for the ball. There's so many of those challenges and that's going to have an effect on the referee when he's making his decisions because it's hard to plead innocence in a game where everyone is just, you know, trying to look for the man when they tackle and try and be aggressive, etc. Because people do get carried away, so... I feel like it's a, it was a tough one for the referee to make, but 
he made the decision. I don't really think people could have too many concerns of, over the yellow cards. Yeah, but, okay. yeah, I think Real Madrid did dominate though. They definitely over both legs as well. They fully deserved it. They should have scored a lot more than just one goal. Yeah, they they had so many chances that you know Hernandez just missed. Ronaldo missed the one on one as well, which is unlike him. Yeah, full credit to Real Madrid because like they went into the team with a debilitated squad. They didn't have um, Modric to play. They didn't have Bell. They didn't have Benzema, and they still got through. And Javier Chicharito Hernandez scored a goal for Real Madrid to make them through. Like, and you look at Hernandez and tell me, like, based on you watching him in Manchester United, like, did he show any of these qualities to be a special player at Real Madrid to win? to get the defining win? Um, his movement has always been second to none. That's always been kind of how he's how he's you know, made and created a lot of chances for himself and his teammates is through his movement. But I feel like his finishing, I was thinking maybe because he was so rusty that maybe he wasn't necessarily at his best, but his finishing definitely needs to be a lot better. Because yesterday, you know, you can't see that kind of striker playing for Real Madrid week in, week out. Because it just wasn't clinical enough. And it wasn't exactly like props to the keeper or essentially. It was just kind of just not sharp enough. Not, it's just the you know, tech, like technically it's just not there. So I guess, you know, I'd be, it'd be interesting to see who he moves to next season. Because I doubt he's going to stay at United anyway. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah, because even before going into this game, it was dropped for the game against Malaga. He complained during the international break that he needed more playing time, and is the boss of Mexico, Hector Herrera, got behind him and like he scores like the winner, like in and Real Madrid haven't beaten Atletico Madrid this season, and he scores the, the winner in his first start in the Madrid Derby, gets the winner, and I feel that might maybe change the philosophy, maybe his confidence. He was lacking a bit of confidence. And I feel that might change it for him. Like we'll see how it does against Celta, but like it's um it's very good to see Hernandez again on the score sheets. I feel he deserved it for for all the talk, like he proved his worth on the field. Yeah, definitely. And I just think he might go to a Premier League team, maybe like a a Tottenham might maybe a yeah, a player like Tottenham they might like him because obviously he's similar to a player like Jermaine Defoe. In the sense it was just a poacher with quick movement and quite crisp, like was just looking in and around the box kind of player. So I think maybe a team like Tottenham might take him up, but I don't think Real Madrid have seen enough to be like, yeah, maybe even we should sign him as a second striker. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> no, definitely not. But let's 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 talk about the other team from Madrid. And uh, I, like thinking about the game yesterday, I felt Diego Simeone his tactics let the team down, and the fact that like he didn't really. It didn't really go for Real Madrid. His substitutions were very defensive. I felt he shouldn't have taken off Griezmann. I felt that he should have started Siqueira instead of Jesus Gámez because I felt Siqueira is a better left back, is better going forward than Jesus Gámez. And the reason why he kept Jesus Gámez in the field was because he wanted to score with long balls, which made no sense. Yeah, like it just didn't... He didn't... Very similar to like a Mourinho kind of style where you don't play to win. Just play to frustrate. Hopefully, you get something out of it. Yeah, and that that was very frustrating because they have the players who can actually hurt Real Madrid, like Real Madrid that was obviously missing a couple of great players. They had the players like Griezmann could have 
hurt them. But like, there was no outlet ball when Griezmann went off. There was no person making the runs. Like they were very slow. And fast forward to the time when Arturan got red carded, like you saw no way back for Atletico because like they had no player who could, who was creative enough in the team. Because Koke, Gabi, uh, Raúl Garcia, and uh, Raúl Garcia. And, Think yeah, they have Koke got me and Raga in midfield, and these aren't these are not creative players. Yeah, exactly. Like he didn't stand out. I mean, I was even surprised when I saw that Mansuka and Griezmann were starting in the first place because I thought he was going to go like more like a four-five-one setup. But the both strikers, when Real Madrid had the ball, both strikers were very deep in their own half as well. So it was almost a very, very you know um, rigid kind of system where everyone has to you know make sure they, they do their defensive work. Yeah, and it was tough for Mandzukic to get out when he finally got the ball, because when he got the ball, felt, I felt Mandzukic was isolated among the Real Madrid players. And, and yeah, it, it, was, it, was just, it was just a poor game from Simeone, like poor tactics. I, I don't feel it's shown enough this season in terms of tactic-wise. I feel he's made a lot of mistakes tactically, and I feel next season he needs to sharpen up and show why Atletico Madrid are Atletico Madrid, unless, like, looking over the shoulders, Valencia is, like, right behind them. And I feel like they're going to be the third force in Spain if Simeone's not careful. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think maybe it's not necessarily his tactics, but in the sense that teams have figured them out in that sense. Like, there's not much variation, so that's the problem. Like, they can't, there's not too many different styles of playing, so once a team kind of figures you out, it's not, it's not necessarily that you're getting it tactically wrong in the sense that the tactics work before, but you're getting your tactics wrong in the sense that there's no variation. So teams can suss you out pretty quickly and they can learn how to play against you and then the tactics just become ineffective. So I feel like, yeah, they need big, better systems and more, like, variety. Is Edinson is Cavani the answer? I don't think so, not necessarily. Right now, I think, man, him and Mandzukic aren't too far apart. Like, not in any major way that they need to buy him. Yeah. But I wouldn't really say that, not really. And before before we get off the Madrid Derby, I want to talk about a player who's who's has impressed me in recent season in, in recent games, especially after coming back. That's James Rodriguez. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I feel like he's so, he's a, he's becoming a lot more important to their team as well. Like in, at the start of the season, I don't really feel like they really needed him. I don't really feel like they still do, to be honest, in the sense that it wasn't a necessary buy. But so I can see why they, not necessarily why they spend the money, but why he's a very good player. Yeah, and, and he's and he's a player similar, not really to uh, Di Maria, but similar to Andres Iniesta. You go along with that? Yeah, I agree. Like it's not necessarily. Let me think about how to word this correctly. He's not necessarily explosive, but he's still very effective. Effective and like in front of goal, like he scores, I think he scored 10 goals in La Liga, he's given about 15 assists this season. Like he's a very, very, it's turned into a very, very important player for Real Madrid. And what's your dream semi final draw? Dream would definitely have to be. Bayern, Juventus, no, 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 it definitely have to be like Juve, um, Juve, Barcelona, Bayern, Real, 
because I still want an El I still want one more El Clasico. <laughs> Yeah, but like, I, 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 I highly doubt we're going to see an El Clasico final in the Champions League. It's like That would be unreal. We've been praying for this for five years. It hasn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, but this is true. But, you know, I feel like it's possible this year. It's possible. It's, it's possible. But, like, to be honest, like, for me, I would rather, like, I don't, I, I, I'm not as confident as you about Barcelona's chances against Bayern after, after seeing what I saw on Tuesday. I would rather face Real Madrid. I feel because I, I feel like if we get them in the final, I feel they'll beat us because I feel on a one-on-one, -on -one, I feel Real Madrid are better than us, and they've shown in previous finals that they can beat us in a one-on-one. -on -one, because in this this era of Real Madrid, they've beaten Barcelona twice in the final. But I feel in a two-legged affair, I feel Barcelona would have more success based on historical precedent and based on the fact that we have we have more fitter players than they do right now, and Luka Modric should be missing for both games. Yeah, that's it. I honestly feel, I don't know, I feel like once it gets to the semis, like, besides Juventus, obviously, but, like, once it gets to the semis, and especially a final, like, it's, it's 90 minutes, a lot can happen, mistakes can happen. See what happened between Porto and the first leg, like, any similar moments, like, there's not too much to pick between teams, especially Bayern and Barcelona, but I don't know, I disagree with you. I think right now, if Barcelona played Bayern, I'd pick... I'd pick Barcelona because okay. I feel like Bayern are not. There's a certain are are they, are they overhyped? Yeah, there's a certain nervousness that I don't think their team deals with well because they don't play too many high-profile games anymore. You know, there's a. I think it kind of works against you when you're dominating your league year in year out in the sense that the motivation and like the competition is not there. So. It's hard to switch on and off when you're playing bigger games, etc. But that's why I think, like in the Premier League, it's a lot easier in that sense because there are a lot more bigger games. So, and especially because someone like Barcelona always has Real Madrid as well. But I think it's they're starting to work against Bayern because I don't see them really in the big games. You know, Porto aren't a great team. Like yesterday's result was a shock in the sense of how quickly they scored all their goals, but not necessarily the goals they scored. And like the number of goals they scored, I mean, they had already scored seven goals against like individual teams twice in the Champions League this season, only, which is ridiculous. So like, I don't really think it was too much of a shock there either. Yes. And it doesn't help them that they're missing Bats Dubo, who just came back from injury, mm. <laughs> and I feel he's going gonna to miss the rest of the season. Right. What are, what are, do you know the latest on Ribery and Robben's injuries? Um, from what I hear, like Ribery was very close to playing against in the second leg, and I feel he'll be back for the semi-finals with Robin. I'm not too sure. I confess. Because yeah. I feel like that wing play is also integral, especially in the bigger games. I feel like that's really where they can be effective. I feel like going through the middle necessarily because a lot of teams are good defensively, so they don't really have any natural wingers that they play with. Like yesterday, they. You know they rely on Bernat and Lamb to push forward to you know to to actually provide them with more than their attacking players, which isn't great because sometimes you need like overlapping etc. Which makes a lot of difference when you're attacking rather than one player because it's a lot easier to defend with when they play so narrow. But you know they can turn up and do what they did yesterday anyway if they have to. So 
So let's move on to the Premier League, and um, we're going to move on to the boring matches with Chelsea. And so Chelsea, they effectively won the title. There's nothing to talk about there. Absolutely. But, <laughs> but what's more interesting is uh, the race for second, third, and fourth. And with second, um, Arsenal have Chelsea this weekend. How, how do you think that will go? If Arsenal win, I think they'll get second place. If they don't win, then it's, we'll see. Because if they win this game, I feel like they'll still keep, there's there's a sense of momentum there. And even if we, you know, even if we still have them at Old, Tra- at, at Old Trafford, I still feel like they've done by beating Chelsea. I feel like they'd have done enough. No. To keep that momentum more than actually finish second. But if Chelsea beat them, then I don't know. Anything can happen. They're still wide open. It all depends. Yeah, to me, the Sunday's game is the most important one. And how impressed have you been with Luis van Gaal over the past couple of weeks? Manchester United, obviously, before the Chelsea game, they went into that, I think it was six-match run where they won all the games. And they yeah. beat the likes of Spurs, Liverpool, and Man City in the process. So how impressed have you been with Van Gaal and why has it changed so much from how it was in, at the start of the season? Um, I'm very impressed in a sense that I feel like he's finally found like the balance in the team when we have all players fit. And I think the most important player with, to that is Michael Carrick. So I feel like with him in the team, there's a certain balance that really works well and helps. You know, and the flow and the transition between defence and attack works a lot better. But I also feel like he's given certain players a chance who didn't get a chance at the start of the season. The likes of Matter, Fellaini, who didn't play as much, but, you know, and Ashley Young, and they've all shown their worth now. I'm just fearful of the summer, because I feel like, even if they've done well, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if they've done necessarily enough for him to feel like he doesn't need to improve certain positions. So, I still feel like... I still feel like there's still a lot for him to do. There's still a lot of work. I feel like defensively, even though Chris Smalling is just signing a new contract, I feel like we still need two more centre-backs. Like, I still don't think we're good at the back. So, and I feel like we need a right-back as well. So, And striking partners. I would. I still want Falcao and Van Persie to go. So I feel like <laughs> we need another striker. They're like a young one. So yeah. I feel like there's still a lot of work to be done. If certain things are done, then I think we can definitely challenge for the title next season. Yeah, and like in the centre-back pairing, um, I think they're going for Matt Hummels. I, I, I think Otamendi Dio is dead. <laughs> I'm not too sure about that one. Because I, I think Valencia are asking for like 50 million euros, <laughs> which I don't think Manchester United is prepared to pay. And if they're going for yeah, Americ Laporte, and Laporte costs like 42 million euros, is younger. Like, I'd rather have him than Otamendi, who's like possibly... Yeah. It was like in mid twenties, which is which is that prime of his career. But like Laporte's like cheaper, and like you're essentially getting the same defender. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And, and sorry, you were gonna say. Oh, and what what about and uh, Herrera, who's been scoring oh, been, goals? But to me, he's always been good. Like I feel like he just got a certain point of scape. He was a certain scapegoat, which I don't feel like was always deserved. Because, you know, in terms of work rate, it's always been 110%. But uh, I feel like he's showing his class a lot more because he had some crazy stats. Like, if, like, I think he had six shots on target in the Premier League and scored all six. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So, I feel like he deserves his place in the team definitely now. And I feel like him, 
Carrick and one more midfielder in midfield, like a lot, would be great for us next season if yeah. we were going to challenge for the title. Yeah, because I feel like Pereira is is the real deal, and he'll show that come come the end of the season and next season. Yeah. yeah, and we, we've also been raving about her from last season when he played at Athletic Club when it was absolutely brilliant. But, like, do you think Michael, relying on, do you think Michael, relying on Michael Carrick might be a bit risky for United because of his age? And, like, which central midfielders do you think would be good for United to buy in the summer? Yeah, I definitely feel like, a, obviously because of his age, it's not going to last much longer and we need to find a replacement. Who can replace him right now? I feel like if we had been able to get Strootman when we wanted him, it would have been a lot easier as a transition. But without that, to be honest, honestly, like a ball playing midfielder, like he is, like he's like a deep lying playmaker. And I, they're hard to find, like really, really intelligent ones are quite hard to find. So I'm not really sure. Sergio Busquets would be like a good replacement. Yeah, definitely, but I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think of, I can think of players, but I'm trying to think of realistic players. Yeah, Mendy. Um, Yeah, Mendy. I don't know, I feel like he's kind of messed up his little, um, I feel like he's messed up his career at, at, at Real Madrid, and the reason behind that, I feel like I blame the coaching and the philosophy more than I blame him because you know they must have seen something great in him with the money they spent on him so I feel like he would be but I feel like with the little game time he's had with a lot of clubs it's, it's a lot of risk because they don't actually really know where he's at right now Yeah. because he's, they, they don't see him play at all Like so I feel like for a loan deal possibly but I don't know to actually spend money I think would be a massive risk for most clubs and um, I, and let's talk a bit about Man City before we get to the questions. Man City, they've they've drifted a lot ever since Barcelona played them. Like even ever since the, ever since December, when you felt that like Man City were going to thump Barcelona, and now like things have changed dramatically. They're no longer in the equation for the Premier League. They're seven. I think they're four points ahead of Liverpool. Is challenging for fourth. Uh, Pellegrini is definitely going to go at, at the end of the season for sure. But like, and some of the players might also go because, like, I feel the owners. It's time for them to redevelop the squad and freshen up the squad a bit. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, um, they've lost six of their last eight games in total before the weekend when they beat West Ham, which is awful for a team of that caliber, that high up in the table. Six out of eight games, or seventy-five percent of the games lost. So, I don't know. I just feel like they need a freshen up their team because the average age in their team, I think when they played was like 29 or something. So I feel like in the summer they need to find a lot of like younger players. But because of financial fair play as well, they yeah. actually need to sell as well, which is going to be hard because um, I'd be surprised if they sold Yaya Torre because even though, actually no, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised because I feel like it's hot. His heart is not really in it anymore. You can yeah. tell, like, last season he was almost unplayable at times. So, And this season he just doesn't seem to be really... Like, they were showing the stats and the, like, interceptions, tackles, goals, assists. Everything is about half of what it was last year. So you can tell that his work rate is not necessarily the same. And <laughs> I just feel like his heart is not necessarily in it anymore. Yeah, maybe it's because they didn't celebrate his birthday. 
Yeah, I don't know. That was bizarre <laughs> at the start of the transfer window. It was bizarre. Yeah. And and also, like, what other players, like, do you feel, uh, what about Jesus, the likes of Navas, Jobatic, even though we haven't seen much of him, um, Jekyll? Yeah, Navas, Navas is dead weight. <laughs> Jobatic, they didn't even put him in their 25-man squad for the Champions League. Like, when you spend that kind of money and you don't actually get picked out of 25 players, you don't get picked. That's two teams, basically. <laughs> and, they and, and they still can't fit you in, like... You know your time there is must be up, so I feel like a lot of Italian teams will look at that. Yeah, even at Ingeco, because like he's been vital. He was very vital for the Man City, Man, Man City, and but like it's like Pellegrini doesn't really rate him. So is there a chance where like if Pellegrini goes, the club could maybe assure him that maybe the next manager might give him more playing time? I don't know. With Boni and Aguero, I highly doubt because the next, you know, it's very. Pellegrini is one of the only coaches who still places two strikers in games. So I feel like the coach that's going to come in most probably won't because a lot of big, te- big teams around the world now don't really play with two strikers anymore. So it'd be, I mean, if you could fit him into his philosophy, then maybe. But I just doubt if he's only playing with one striker, then I feel like Jekyll's time there is probably up. But I feel like he's a lot better than what people give him credit for as well. And uh, like a club like Juventus would be good for him. But on the manager, like who do you fancy to go there, Jurgen Klopp? Um, I feel like after that press conference, they probably emailed him like a blank check and asked <laughs> him to write, write his own transfer budget and salary. But at the same time, I feel like Jurgen Klopp is not going to fit. Like he likes teams with real, what's the word? Like real rich history and like real rich passion with, with the fans and all that kind of stuff so I don't feel like that really fits in with a team like Manchester City but like a team like United a team like Liverpool would fit him a lot more than City but we'll see you know he might even want to take a break so he might not necessarily want to go jump straight back into management so because I feel like you'll probably wait for the right offer to come because I don't necessarily think Man City's the right club for him but if he goes I'd be I'd be fearful because I feel like, you know, the likes of Hummels and Royce might actually join him. Yeah. So, you know, and those are the kind of players they desperately need because at the back, they're pretty awful. And on the wings, they're not great either. So we'd see, you know, Royce, Aguero right. and Silva could be terrorizing next season. Yeah. And, the, you know, Antore, if he's still there. So sure. we'll I, see. And he can get the best out of Yaya, definitely, for sure. Yeah. And um, one last word uh, on Liverpool. Raheem Sterling, what's up with him? I feel like that BBC interview he did did nothing for him. Like, I feel like he's one of those players that doesn't have the right people around him, like his actual entourage, his team, the people who handle his stuff off off the pitch is not quite right because that interview didn't make any his situation any better. Just made it more, you know, it just added to the controversy. And, you know, as much as Liverpool tried to, you know, act like it wasn't affecting on, like, him on the pitch, it was pretty obvious that it was also. So Yeah, because it, it was awful against Arsenal. Yeah, it was awful. Like, I just feel like, I feel like he is one of the best young players, you know. He, he won the golden boy for this, for, you know, which is unreal. <laughs> so... Yeah, like, like, um, like last season with um, Suarez, he was doing really well. As well as, like, I feel this season when he played 
as the only striker for Brendan Rodgers. He served him well and was he was part of Liverpool's good form at the begin at the beginning of this of this year. Yeah, like I feel like he also needs better players around him because I feel like people always look at stats, etc. Like people are asking why Coutinho is PFA Player of the Year when he has you know only four assists, four goals, you know some sort of stat like pretty, pretty low. But then it's a kind of thing like it's not necessarily stats in the sense that Coutinho does a lot of brilliance on the pitch and then someone misses. And then, you know, he, he doesn't get an assist, etc. So I feel like if Daniel Sturridge had been fit, him and Sterling would have had much better season because it would have been easier to give them praise because there was an end product necessarily. But there's a lot of pressure on them that shouldn't necessarily be on them because Daniel Sturridge isn't playing. Yeah, that's good. And like uh, for the Europa League, I feel Sevilla are, are, have gone through, Fiorentina have gone through, Napoli have gone through, and I think the last club is Dnipro. So what are your views on that? I'm pretty shocked that Wolfsburg went out. I think they probably had two of, two of them. You know, that game against Napoli was probably their worst of the season, like the first leg. So I'm pretty shocked that they've actually gone out. But right now I'd say to win it, it is between Sevilla and Napoli. Napoli. Sevilla always seems. I mean, I can't look past Sevilla because they always seem to be getting in and around them over the past few years. So I feel like Sevilla are probably favourites, just about. Just about. Like you never know. I thought Wolfsburg were favourites, but they got thumped by yeah. Napoli. Exactly, but you know, at, at the same time, Rafa Benitez, you know, he has a good track record in Europe. So yeah, and, and that, to be honest, like that'll be. Pretty good success for him because, like, I know it'll be a good success for Italy. Like, if mm. if Juventus makes it to the final at least, or let's say like Juventus wins the Champions League, which is like unthinkable, and like if Napoli wins the Europa League, that'll be very good for Italian football. Maybe they can get their fourth spot back in the expense of the English. Who knows? Yeah, definitely. Because you know, Italy's been like a Italy's been like a, a bit of a joke in the last few years in Europe. So they barely get any, you know, to like the latter stages or anything like that. So I think this is quite a big year for them. And especially Napoli's win against Wolfsburg, you know. Even if Wolfsburg played bad, you know, you have to play well to make them play bad, in a, in a sense, anyway. And Napoli were clinical, like attacking, attacking wise, they're fantastic. Yeah. So let's let's move on to the questions now. And uh, Michael had a good question where he spoke about uh, Real Madrid. With Real Madrid winning the Madrid Derby, like what are what are the chances of Real Madrid winning double this season? Bob, I feel like if they get their first team back fit, Benzema, Modric, and Bale can be fit for like the last, you know, for, for the semi-finals and for like the last few games of the season. Then it's still completely open. But right now, I just feel like with that team, they're very prone to not, not necessarily losing, but they can draw games, especially because they still have Valencia at home. Yeah, and three of the and three of the next La Liga games will be played next week. From exactly, yeah. so I feel like they they will drop points, but I feel like there's less chance of Barcelona dropping points. So I think right now it's Barcelona's to lose. But I mean, you still not. I mean, this team, you know, even with this team. They're still better than most teams in the league, so we'll have to wait and see. But I feel like there's no real, you know, obvious answer for that. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, but, but I think Barcelona will win it. 
Yeah, and Barcelona play Espanyol this weekend, and they start to play Atletico Madrid at in the penultimate penultimate game of the season. Yeah. Yeah, and Real Madrid they also have a tricky tie this week against Celta Vigo, so it'll be interesting how they get through. I feel this weekend might be a bit pivotal, even though the games are they're kind of they're easy opponents, but like it's a banana skin because you don't really know who's gonna win it. Like you know who's gonna win it, but like they, there's also there's a chance that they might split slip up this weekend yeah anything it's just very you know the Valencia game could easily have been a draw last week yeah. and everything would have changed again but you know so I feel like both teams still have to show why they deserve to win it and our final question is MSN versus BBC by Wilson has to be How has to be MSN forget it I don't yeah. feel like there's really a, I don't feel like there's really a, a comparison that can be made right now because Bale has a, had a great season and you can't compare Benzema to Suarez in my opinion so <laughs> so if, if the Ballon d'Or title is to be decided right now who you give it to Messi or Ronaldo Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. like in in the first two months, like it was all messy, but like Ronaldo has made a yeah. comeback in like March and April. Yeah, that's you know every week my opinion probably changes because you know they're just they have such an influence that it's just I don't think we'll ever have a battle like this ever like for a long time in football of players this good at that sort of, at that sort of level. Yeah. Anyway, I guess that's it. That's it for this week. There you have it. We've, had, we've spoken about MSN versus BBC, Barca versus Real, Bayern versus Juventus, who's going to win the Champions League, who's going to win the Europa League, also the Premier League and La Liga. From Bob and I, we say adios and vamos.